I always thank the choir. They do good, and they do it twice good every Sunday morning for us, and we're thankful for it. Today, we're at the end of the uh, lessons from the trail series. I've enjoyed doing it. I would have, uh, if I just walked two or three more days, I might have had more to tell you, but this, we came to the end of it. And uh, we'll be back to our normal uh, orders of worship next Sunday, and it'll be a communion Sunday uh, as it's the first Sunday in September. Um, last week we talked about rescue, and this week's title, I titled it The Hardest Day because that's what it was on the trail for me. Uh, it was a day when I walked 11 miles in 11 hours. Does that sound slow to you? I mean, that sounds so slow to me, I think, what was he doing anyway, just sitting around between? Well, part of it was stopping to rest, I promise you that, but 11 miles in 11 hours, maybe it was because I had put on a pack that, for the first time, weighed 38 pounds. I had resupplied the day before, which makes it that much harder to walk. But that didn't seem to be too much of it, because in the first day, when I walked uh, to lunch, I came to the top of the first mountain that I would climb, called Wolf Mountain. I managed to catch up with a whole crew of people I left with that morning. They'd stop for lunch, and I got there before they left, and we sat down, and it would be the last time I would see that crowd of people. So maybe it wasn't that particular mountain. Going down was a little steep. There was a creek, and then it began. Uh, What I wasn't really prepared for, and it was one of those uphill walks. Not the average one, but one that went longer because as I got to one point, uh, the last seven-tenths of a mile, you went up a thousand feet in the seven-tenths of a mile. Uh, the angle was not like that. The angle was more like that. I and mean, It went from being in the sport of hiking to being rock climbing. The safest way to climb it was to hold your poles in your hand and climb with rocks and climb with your hands and your feet to go up it. And it was tiring, just to say the least. I wondered why I was there. What had I done? Had I changed the sport somewhere along the way? It made me do something, though, that I had not done in a while. And there in the middle of resting between, looking up and thinking, how much farther can it be? I finally did it. I stopped and out loud said this, God, I need strength. More than once, I said, Lord, if I'm going to make it, I need strength. Mine wasn't doing it. I'd eaten a lot of food. That wasn't a problem. I drank enough water. I was hydrated. I was just plain tired. Used up the strength I had. And Lord, I need strength. Fred Craddock, who is one of my favorite preachers in this generation, uh, someone asked if he retired from a long ministry, if you had something to do different about your preaching ministry, what would it be? He said this, I would preach more about God. That may seem strange to you. It seems like every sermon should be about God, but most sermons will always be about us and God. It'll be about what we are and how God loves us. God ministers to us. God gives us gifts and talents. There's a thousand different things that sermons approach, but It has a lot to do with us as well as God. He said, I would preach more about God. Our text today from the writer of the Psalms is about God and about strength and about God who is the giver of strength and how we come to experience that and how we know it for ourselves. 
few mornings ago, I was out walking as I do normally before daylight and looked up in the sky and saw the stars. It was a cloudless night. The moon is very small right now, so you could see the stars most clearly. You, know, you ever see that sometimes? Just stare at the stars, and, and a couple things come to mind to me. First of all, how large it is. Then the opposite side is how small we are. The big universe God has made, in fact, some scientists now believe that it's still being made, that it's, the universe continues to grow. That's pretty good, isn't it? That God has set in motion something that is yet to be finished. And yet here we are on this one little planet. It was a time in history, if you've studied about uh, the Middle Ages, 1500s, if that's the right period, when Galileo came around and he put forth an idea that the earth was not the center of the universe. At that time, people were pretty convinced that God made us and he made everything around us, either for our needs or our enjoyment or our existence, now to find that we're one among all of it which can make us feel pretty small. Until you read what the psalmist has to say. You find there that God has not detached himself from creation. He is not out there so busy. He isn't noticing us. Instead, it says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. The people of Israel, as the psalmist writes, are going through various times of struggle. Sometimes it's about them being uh, attacked by outsiders and God defending them. Sometimes they're writing as a dispersed people. They've been conquered and moved out to many different lands and they feel separated and wonder what is next. And God is trying to say to them through the psalmist that I am here for you. Do we cry out? for God when we need help. And this week, as in many different weeks in the year, I find out that in the lives of our members, people who come to this church, different things that make your heart go out to them have happened. There have been deaths in families. There have been health crises that are ongoing. There have been broken relationships. And the good news in all of that we shared this morning is that we're not here to face those things alone. We have each other. We want to depend on each other. But we also have God. He is the one who gives us strength. I begin to think about strength and how we experience it, how important it is in life. First of all, we may think of the physical end of strength. And I, I go to the Y a few mornings in the week. Can't you tell? That's a joke. I, I go to the Y. I, I don't work out that kind, so you can tell. It's only so I'm healthier, trying to keep muscles in tone and that kind of stuff. But some people do. They, they work so hard, you, you go out there and you're impressed. You know, these guys with arms on them like this, and, and they're you pick up all that weight. And I go, ooh, don't drop that on me. You know, that's a, a big guy, and they work at that. And we know that strength comes through exercise, and the body gets better and bigger and grows, and then it gets old. Does that happen to it too? Then our, our body has to deal with time and age and its experience too. But physically, we think about strength. We think about middle strength. We may connect that in terms of intelligent quotients, our IQ. I don't know what mine is, and frankly, I don't want to know. Is that fun enough? I don't really want to know what it is. 
But there are some people that are very intelligent. We may even call them a genius. I like that idea, don't you? I like the idea that there are people in our world that are geniuses. Now, what I hope they do with their life is go find something that's a problem we have for which there's absolutely no solution right now and go work on it because they got a lot better chance of getting there than the rest of us. Find something we need that isn't there yet. That's one kind of strength. We call it smart, about learning, the ability to learn and to know, critical skills. Another strength is about relationships, and you know that's what we think of as family, uh, leadership. We think about popularity. It's important in life to sustain relationships and keep them healthy. Some people are very good at that. They have strong relationships. They, you can tell them uh, they become friends to more, they maintain relationships, they help others, they experience that as an important part of their life, and they help each other and others around us. I think of strength being a strength of character. You know, they're the people who, whose word is their bond. A people who uh, speak with integrity and honesty and dependability. If you got one of all this list of strengths, I'd say so far, that's one I want you to have, is to be that uh, dependable character, a strong character, integrity. The thing that you have that no one else can take away and no one else can give it to you. Then there's spiritual strength. Doesn't mean you can quote the most Bible passages, though I hope knowing them helps any person who is spiritually strong. It is a life that has obedience to God in mind, a life that has learned to give more than it takes, a life that experiences a joy in doing those things. It's one that stays in contact with the one who's made us in a host of different ways. Now, how does it feel to be strong? Or you may ask, in all of that ideas of strength, where I might be on the spectrum of them, And here comes along the psalmist to say, the Lord is our strength. God is, first of all, strength himself. That is, in the life we're living, we're going to measure strength in other ways, but the original form, its beginning, has everything to do with him. I thought, even as we have small children here in the church, when a child is being held by a parent, if that baby could look and see and acknowledge who's holding him, I think that person would say, now there's strength. Not just that they can hold me up right now, but they hold me close. They protect me. They watch over me. There is strength. So God wants us to know that I am your strength. You can lean on me. You can know that I've not taken my hands away. I'm there to guide you in the most difficult of all times, He is our strength. First of all, that's what God is as a source of strength. It also says that God renews our strength. There are times when we just don't seem to have enough. The first passage, the one from 46.1, I often use when I am speaking at a, at a funeral to remind those who are gathered missing a loved one I know the pain and hurt that's there, but there is someone who loves you. The one who is a source of strength. 
And he is here to watch over you in the most difficult moments of life. He can renew our strength. That means we have some strength in us, but we have exhausted the supply. Or it seems to be getting so low we're not sure we can make it. And God just says, let me turn the volume up for you a little here. And now what seemed exhausted is now doable. As I cried out to God on that mountain, and I'm, I'm telling you out loud, God, I need strength. Now, someone down the hill might have thought, what is he talking to? What's going on? But I didn't care because at that moment I needed it. And I began to feel a renewing, a strength. I don't mean I was peppy running. That was not true. But I felt the desire and the belief that I can take another step and another one and I can move on from here. Don't just sit here and think someone's going to come lead you out. You have to move. And I felt my strength renewed. In the Old and New Testament, that's called a covenant relationship that God gives to his people. It's one where he's there with us in our time of need, calling us to a life of obedience, one of relationship to him, but reminding us he will renew our strength. At times when we feel at our lowest, he's there to guide us. We have different ideas about God in our culture. I read this week, and I don't have the source to quote, said this, In American culture, God is not so much the solution to our problems as he is the problem to our solutions. I like the way that said, said, because often we think of God as simply someone who comes along and we tell him, I need this, I need this, I need this, and God gives it to us, or he doesn't hold it in the moment, and we're either mad or we think it was useless. And all along, God has got something better in mind if we learn to listen. He's not a bellhop. He's one who is a source of strength. As life comes for us, he's there to renew us. The third way God is our strength, he said he gives us strength. Well, we didn't have it already. Maybe you've, I think of parenting, especially as we begin, our children are young. Some of you are still in sleepless nights or get up in the middle of nights, and some of us just remember what they were like, right? When you are exhausted by someone so small, and whatever strength you had just doesn't seem to be enough, and he gives us what we need. He knows where we're headed. And he's there with us. He is our strength. Even if at times our strength seems to fail us, he's there to guide us, to care for us, and watch over us. Twice in this particular hike, I experienced something I'd not had all the other times. And that was the steepness of the climb. The first one came uh, on the Mount Musalak. It came when at the foot of the hill I looked on a sign that said these words, warning, extremely hazardous. Along with that it said, uh, if you're not in condition, take an alternate route. Below that it said, if you fall, it can be fatal. And I thought, now why would you want to climb that place? Now, why, why would I want to go up there? Who marked the trail going that direction? You should have found another one. I mean, what are we, heroes or something? We're just trying to walk. And you go up there, and I, I looked up and thought, they've got to be kidding. 
And for the next mile and a half, you climbed many times. There were handrails or extra steps built on the rock so you could be a little safer going up. It was hazardous. They were right. On this last day I'm talking about, when I reached that last of the mountain, had been almost 10 hours into the walk and was exhausted, looking up at a thousand foot climb and seven tenths of a mile, and I didn't know if I really wanted to do that. But then again, there wasn't really a choice. Ever felt that moment when you needed strength and God is the one who can help? He gives us strength to serve. If he ever makes a demand upon us, you got to know that he gives you and me the resources for it. He doesn't ask, which he does not also equip us to serve. He is that kind of loving and giving God. From somewhere in that, climb up the mountain, I said it went from being um, hiking to rock climbing. And I wasn't really interested in that sport. But you didn't have a choice because that's where it took you. I believe that God has his hands on all of us. He wants us to know that I am a strength for you. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I'm going to renew you in your strength. And sometimes it's going to give you the strength you need. You didn't have it in you to begin with. I gave it to you. In life, we may find ourselves at any of those places. And he is there as the giver. Strength is nearer to you now than you know. God has a generous supply he wants to share with all of us who would follow him. To close the sermon, I have a sentence I want you to finish. You're not going to finish it out loud. No one's going to ask you how you did, but I want you to fill in the blank on the end. The blank is not likely to be one word. The sentence begins this way. Ask God for strength to... And you finish it. Life's going to hand you a lot of answers for that. But where is it right now? Ask God for strength too. Would you pray with me? Our Father, our hearts sometimes go out to those around us who are facing deep struggles and difficulties. And we wonder ourselves, where do they have the strength to go through it? And then we remember that you're the one who gives that kind of strength. We ask, Lord, that if you would reach into each heart here now, let us know, Father, that you are standing here offering wherever our needs are. That there is no circumstance in life beyond you. Open our hearts, Lord, to each other in such times of need. We too may offer strength and be a part of your caring and loving people. For this we pray in Christ. Amen.